Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Barry is in your office today, and he's got an injured right arm. He's a carpenter, age 60, and in good health. He has hypertension and a history of GERD. He states he's been working a good deal of overtime, and he owns his own business, so he's afraid of having any downtime with work due to the due to the arm injury, especially during the pandemic. His elbow pain is not getting better. He's tried some NSAIDs, but they make his GERD symptoms worse. What can he do? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today to talk about the management of musculoskeletal pain is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill. Hi, Frank. Oh, I'm so glad you brought this topic forward. I have all sorts of ailments, and and like Barry, I, I have pretty significant GERD. Um, with regard to musculoskeletal pain, what, what's new in the literature that might change how we approach this problem? The One of the latest things that has come out, it's a clinical guideline from the American College of Physicians. And their first recommendation in doing this systematic review is that clinicians treat patients that have acute pain from non-low back musculoskeletal injuries with topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs, which we're very familiar with, and that they could use these NSAID gels with or without menthol as a first-line therapy to uh, relieve this pain. That's great. Um, so then where do the other sort of things we use for pain uh, fall in? They did, they did look at a lot of the different uh, modalities that we use to treat pain. Um, I want to specify they looked at several outcomes in, in treating this pain. And I think what caught my eye was first that it was like specifically non-low back musculoskeletal pain. When we know back pain is a really common problem, there is a separate guideline that has come out on that. So I don't want listeners to say, geez, low back is the more common. We're talking about the multitude of other acute musculoskeletal pain that is caused from strains and sprains and soft tissue injuries and whiplash and contusions and things like that. So um, what they looked at was, did it uh, relieve pain? Did it improve physical function, uh, improve the patient's treatment satisfaction? And so those are all very important um, endpoints. So the other recommendations that were made from this paper were that um, clinicians treat patients with um, oral NSAIDs, so those are still, as we know, very effective to reduce or relieve symptoms. Um, and then also to um, use specific acupressure. And the last one was not to use uh, opioids. Um, and specifically, they talked about tramadol in this population. Okay, so um, it sounds like this systematic review makes a, a very good case for using topical NSAIDs for non-low back musculoskeletal pain and then reserving oral NSAIDs as the second step. Yes. Some non, 
non-drug modalities as a third step. And their fourth conclusion was to really limit or avoid opioids whenever possible. So I would say I know very little to nothing about the use of topical agents. Can you talk a little bit about how we can start using these in our clinical practice? Yes. So if you just take a walk down your local uh, pharmacy, you will find that there are several over-the-counter agents that can be used to treat acute pain. Um, they can range from anything like a lidocaine patch to, uh, you know, a menthol gel and even something that's been on the market a really long time that has salicylic acid in it and can be very effective. There are many treatment options that are over the counter. And then, of course, there's the prescription strength um, NSAIDs that we can order um, from the pharmacy. Or if you have a compounding pharmacy available to you, that's another option. So, Frank, in essence, there are lots of options. And have you tried using them? Have you, have you found them to be successful? Yes. I mean, I haven't personally used them, but I've had a few patients with arthritis pain. I think about a person that has, you know, a lot of comorbid conditions, uh, may take a lot of medications. And so what this provides is, you know, you're not you're giving it topically. So you're, you know, avoiding the liver and the kidneys and, you know, and if they can get relief from it, um, great. Um, but the other thing I want to consider is cost. And so if there's, if, again, if you look at the over-the-counter preparations, there are many. And I think that is where I would have a patient that's never had uh, any topical preparation. I would start with the over-the-counter products to see if they're, um, you know, helpful at all. I, I have Bofinec um, 1% gel uh, for my knee. Um, and I was not really... Uh, religious about using it on a regular basis, and I found it ineffective. But what I did find after doing some reading is that you really need to use it three times a day, even four times a day on a consistent basis. You will get some relief from the topical anesthetic, but the the the, the longer acting relief comes with with regular use. All right, so we've got a, we've got a new plan for Barry. We've got a we've got a new modality to help treat his elbow pain. How do you uh, recommend it for him? So with Barry, because he hasn't tried a topical agent, I'm going to recommend an over-the-counter product for him um, and have him try that. I'm, you know, I'm concerned because he does have a history of GERD, um, and this could be a really good option for him to use a topical agent. I also know um, Barry because he is working in a trade industry that's busy. He needs his hands. He needs his work, and we want to keep him in work, and this is something that maybe won't affect his GERD um, because we're doing something topically. Also with Barry, it's not just prescribing a topical agent or recommending an over-the-counter one. It's also the other things that go along with keeping him in good shape, such as home stretching, um, use of heat and ice, depending on, you know, it's really talking to him about, listen, you need to stretch out before you go to work. You need to probably stretch during the day and massage that area. Um, you also need to, if you it's inflamed when you get home, you need to apply some ice and use some thermal treatment for that joint so that you can keep it in good uh, shape. The other thing is physical therapy. If, if stretching and all these, you always have physical therapy that can maybe give him strengthening exercises, but prevention for future injury. 
I couldn't agree more. I think you're right on target here where we need to take a stepwise approach to managing his pain. Uh, topicals first, add an oral NSAID. Even if you have to add an NSAID, if you reduce it to once a day instead of three times a day, you're going to significantly reduce his, 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 his systemic drug exposure and, and adding non-pharmacologic modalities. We forget how important that is. And uh, uh, there are so many benefits that patients can just do on their own that, that give them at least temporary relief. Well, well, Jill, I appreciate you, you helping Barry out and helping us learn about this new modality. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I would just encourage listeners, if you do start to use these products or have been using these products and, and you have access to a compounding pharmacy, having a conversation with that pharmacist is enlightening. There are a multitude of products and they have a lot of, um, you know, experience in, in guiding clinicians in, in the efficacy of some of these products. And you want to know how much they cost. And um, so you can pass that on to your patients. But there's lots of options. And I think this is further, um, this is, you know, drives home the importance of we really don't need opioids to treat acute musculoskeletal pain. And especially with somebody like Barry, he's in construction, you know, you don't want to have any clouding of judgment. So again, it, we assuring him that we have options to have his pain improved and that he was not going to be out of work is important. Thanks, Jill. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. New data suggests that we should change our approach to acute pain management to start with topical agents and avoid opioids whenever possible. Join us next time when we discuss even more dangers for adolescent vaping. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.